Welcome to the SummerSlam Reaction Show. I am your host, Ryan Carlton, and I will soon be joined by Jade Cardigan. He and I will discuss SummerSlam and the Raw pay- the SummerSlam pay per view and the Raw after it. Interesting night last night with Sting coming back, as well as. Uh, John Stewart appearing and giving his explanation, and Ric Flair also appearing, which is kind of good to see. The pay-per-view, of course, was filled with controversy in the wrestling community because of the finish between The Undertaker and Brock Lesnar. We'll address that. We'll address the, the standout tag team match that they had early in the card. We'll talk about how Sheamus and Randy Orton are possibly being underutilized. We're just waiting for Jade to call in. We'll also talk about the Cena versus Seth Rollins match, where I think Seth Rollins had a great match, one of the best matches of his career, especially in an individual singles match. Another Brock Lesnar, uh, John Cena three-way earlier in the year was one of his best performances too. But this one in particular was a one-on-one competition with John Cena. And it does seem like for as much controversy as, or as much as Cena is criticized, he brings the best out of people. Or maybe he's just working with good people. But I tend to think part of it is the fact that Cena brings the best out of some of his competition. Now, of course, you have to be able to wrestle a little bit to wrestle with Cena, but I think he brings a style of match that is conducive to television, even though he's not the greatest technical wrestler. But I think he understands how to tell a story within a match. Jade, how are you today? Good, how are you? I am pretty good. Having some small technical issues when I first started. I don't know what was going on. But uh, let's get right to it and go to the main event, the biggest controversy, the convoluted booking to some degree. What did you think of the ending of Lesnar and Taker? Well, I mean... You can't use any word better than convoluted, but I, you know, I feel like it was, you know, what a lot of people are saying was, I feel like it was overbooked. I don't think anybody likes to see a match that's that hyped, I guess, that has that much of an intense, you know, kind of rivalry behind it, and in a way like that. I, I just, I don't feel like anybody was really satisfied, even if they were content with it. I don't feel like anybody was satisfied. Yeah. And they, they're in this catch-22 of their own creation because they built Brock Lesnar this, as this monster, which isn't hard to do, but it's basically like they resolved to never let him lose. So in WrestleMania, you have Rollins come in and not pin Lesnar. You have the scene of disqualification in the rematch. Every time it looks like he might lose, they find a way for him not to lose, even though booking-wise it might say that he's supposed to lose. Like last night, or not last night, two nights ago, if that's what they wanted to accomplish, they couldn't do it by a simple ref bump. Lesnar has Undertaker pin, the ref is still out. Heyman tries to get him back in. By the time he gets back in, two counts in, Undertaker ends up winning. I mean, it's not as difficult as they made it a lot harder than they needed to make it. Like you said, overbooking. I think so, but, you know, I feel like that wasn't good enough for them having him get pinned in any way, shape, or form. I feel like they wanted him to lose with the most kind of valor possible, you know, look as tough as possible. And I I just don't think they wanted his shoulders pinned to the mat. They damn sure didn't want him to submit. I mean, they don't want Brock Lesnar to really lose in any way, shape, or form. And I feel like this is the only way they were comfortable with it happening. And I could see that, the passing out thing, and it was cool when he flicked them off. But the problem I had was just the fact that he had to technically win the match and I'm not even a big fan of the Undertaker these days, but making the Undertaker tap, that's that that I have a problem with that. I didn't like it at all. It just it that felt like sacrilege for me. I mean, it really felt like sacrilege. But I mean, this whole angle was just I think them backing themselves into a corner because the Undertaker can't come back looking for vengeance and lose to Brock Lesnar just you know fair and square, and they don't want Brock Lesnar losing at all. So I, the point of this, I feel like, really just did not work. I mean, it, it, this was a lost cause. Yeah, and it's an overall theme that I'm seeing with their booking since we talked about WrestleMania and I, I marinated on it a little bit. They go for high spots. 
this match is a year and a half. They ran a year and a half late. Well, I guess it took a year and a half for the rematch. They missed WrestleMania if they were going to do it. So then they did it for SummerSlam and then had this weird thing saying, oh, it's too big for WrestleMania. Well, how the hell is any match too big for WrestleMania? And then you make the match and neither man can afford to lose. And it's, it's just, there's no logic. They just, they're, it's a high spot ECW type match that they, that's the way they book. Yeah, it, it it definitely felt like that, you know, the entire time. And I, I knew going in, though, that there wasn't going to be a clean finish. I, I just, I didn't believe that they would, they would put other, the other guy over in, in a way that was, you know, just honest and, and straight, straightforward. I mean, I could have seen interference and maybe like, maybe that's a good time to turn Rollins or anything, but what I, what we got at the end, but the match itself I thought it was fabulous. I thought it was good storytelling. I thought it was intense. I thought it had everything you can look for in a main event match. What did you think of the match itself? The match itself was what, I mean, I was hoping the WrestleMania match would have been like. Just, you know, the high-level physicality. The Undertaker took a ton of suplexes. But the Undertaker was a lot more physical. He was a lot more aggressive. You know, he just... Everything about their last match felt like a whimper from The Undertaker. And this time, he was really aggressive. I feel like they got every spot in that they possibly could as far as impact moves. Uh, I mean, I enjoyed it up until the finish. Yeah, I, I thought it was fabulous up until the finish. And even and a lot of these matches are good in the moment, but and but when you think about it, it's like, oh, okay. So when I saw the finish, and especially at first when I thought The Undertaker had tapped, and even in the moment where Brock fades out and flicks it off, it's pretty cool. And you had that, that crazy moment where Brock's laughing and Taker's laughing. But then when you stop and think about it, it's like, wait a minute, this is this is garbage, you know? <laughs> yep. Let's Over, move to, overbooked last night. Exactly. Let's move to, let's do the matches, or not necessarily all the matches, but some of the matches, and then kind of move to how they evolved on Monday night. So Monday we had Lesnar come out, challenge Taker, Nothing really happened. Uh, what did you think of what they did Monday, and where do you see this going between these two men? I mean, I, I feel like they left it really open-ended. I mean, if you watch last, I guess if you read, you know, the last night, I guess there's absolutely going to be Lesnar, Taker, you know, three, recounting, you know, this series. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, he really called them out. They're disgruntled about the finish. I mean, there's no way around a, a rematch at this point. Yeah, I thought it would have been a great time for Lesnar himself to say something and not let Heyman talk. But Heyman's so great. I mean, you can't you can't go wrong with Heyman. But I thought it had been a great time for Lesnar to get vocal there. Yeah, it, Brock Brock always has some some colorful things to say. Just you know, Paul Heyman handles that that side of things. Yeah, he's he's better in the studio situation. I think he, when they do those little video packages of Lesnar, yep. very convincing. Yep. He sounds like he wants to hurt people, but in front of the crowds, I don't think that's his strong suit. Um, yeah, that's it. I, I never thought about it like that, but yeah, he really is so much better in the pre-taped segments. Yeah, they really are effective. Maybe they do cut. Maybe they cut it up, or I know they cut it up, but I don't know how many takes he might do or whatever. But he's a lot more effective in those. Uh, let's go to the championship match between Rollins and Cena. Again, <laughs> probably a worse book finish in that one with the involvement of Jon Stewart. Let's talk about the finish first. Oh, man, I don't even, wow. Well, up until that point, you know, I'd enjoyed the match, but, you know, the finish just took the wind out of my sails. First of all, having to, for John Cena to have to sell to a you know a comedian <laughs> like John Stewart, but that just I mean that that makes me just sick. I mean maybe it's you know old school or maybe it's but I I don't feel like you sell for celebrities in any way shape. Even if it hurt, he shouldn't have sold. I just I hate that stuff. It's goofy and it embarrasses me as a wrestling fan. Yeah, I'm there too. It, it's I don't understand. And they had another celebrity match, which we may or may not get to, but I don't understand why they do it. If John Stewart. Oh God! I can't even conceive of a possible reason John Stewart would interfere. I mean, there's so many it's other little guys too. John yeah, he's not a big guy. I mean, he oh, just too much. 
And but the thing is, I can't. I mean, it's sort of entertaining because John Stewart is entertaining. Just at, like the next night, and it got to AA. But the reason they do this crap is because they want to be on mainstream publications. And wrestling is more accepted in the mainstream. I feel like almost than it ever has been internet-wise. Anyway, it's definitely to some degree. I don't know if it's equal, but in a way, there's just an acceptance. But a lot of it's because these these pages, Bleacher Report, and all these places just want to get clicks. They know wrestling will get clicks, but it's accepted in a lot of ways. It's never going to be accepted like football because it's not, it's scripted. <laughs> I think it's as accepted now as, or close to being as accepted now as it was in that kind of NBC Saturday night main event boom period where wrestling was like the thing. I mean, it's as close to being as accepted culturally. Not as popular, I don't think, but it's close to being accepted culturally as it was then. Yeah, but I don't think, like, and we can talk about this philosophically, and I've thought about it for years, from Lawrence Taylor to just the way, maybe, you know, Lawrence Taylor wrestling, but maybe in the beginning, when you had the rock and wrestling connection, and you had to put WWE and what sports entertainment was on a map, and you have Cindy Lauper, and you have things like that, or even you have uh, Jay Lawler, and Andy Kaufman, that's not WWE, but you have things like that way back when, when you first established the connection. But I don't see how Jon Stewart's going to bring viewers. Someone's going to buy SummerSlam because of Jon Stewart? It didn't, I mean, you talk about the rock and wrestling connection. Mr. T was the biggest television star, you yeah. know, in the world. I mean, he was one of the most popular people on the planet. I mean, Jon Stewart's not... I mean, he's not even close to that, you know. Cindy Lauper was like the top female vocalist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she won a Grammy that year and called out like Roddy Piper, like at the Grammys. So you know that that has a little pull. <laughs> and so does Mr. T appearing in the Rockies and the A Team and being the biggest actor star in America, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, those those were A list A list celebrities. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whereas John Stewart is a political guy, and if you get him past, you know. The cable news channels, he's not, and, and and as much, and I won't trash him too bad, but as much as the media loves him, his ratings are not that great. But uh, but he does have a devoted following. But yeah, I just, oh, the, the, that. And Stewart took so long to get in there and figure it out. Like, you got some sort of, I know you, I mean, he's clearly a wrestling fan. You couldn't have timed it a little better or something. <laughs> it was just so clunky the way he did it. He just doesn't seem to fit in that environment. Like, he always looks like he's close to laughing or that he's he's putting on. I just, I, I don't see him in that in, in that kind of real-life environment that, that wrestling kind of, uh, you know, walks the line on. I mean, maybe he could have just done the, I mean, they could have kept it simple and done the trip. Like, they, you know, somebody seen a bounce off the ropes, trip, then, you know, he hits a pedigree or something. I don't know. But that is not <laughs> that. His promo just seems so cheesy. <laughs> I don't know why it was cute. I guess because when Ric Flair comes out, it instantly makes it okay to me. And so, <laughs> <laughs> and the subject was about Ric Flair, so I was okay with the promo. <laughs> uh-huh. I have my I have my bias. Like it instantly became okay when he started talking about Ric Flair. And Ric Flair came out and made it okay. <laughs> so, but yes, it was. I'm not cheap. surprised here. And, and the convo, but it, even that was like, so you care more than Ric Flair cares about it? If anything, I would have liked Flair. To, I thought maybe they were going to let Flair come out and interfere. That would have been a lot more fun, and that would have been a lot better to talk about. You know, that would have been that would have been neat for a week or two to you know to get on that exactly. And he's taking. A, I mean, he wants. He's dying to take a bump for some damn reason. I don't know why he wants to keep wrestling, but <laughs> but you know that would have been a lot better. And maybe Stewart could have some sort of thing. Maybe Stewart could have talked to him and and said how much you worship him and how bad the record would have. You know how bad it would be to see the record ends and Ric Flair's there in the beginning and he's like, you know, John, I hope you do because it doesn't. You know, you know, I, I I respect you. And then Stewart talks him up, and he goes and does it. But I, I don't understand. That would have been enjoyable. I don't understand why I can think of that in five minutes, and they can't. But <laughs> that's kind of the side of the point. What they did do, or what what they did, which I think is a shame. 
because he's winning me over, and that's Seth Rollins. I thought Seth Rollins was superb, but all of that was overshadowed by Stewart. But I thought the match itself was very good, and I thought Rollins was just, I thought he was great last night or two nights ago. Yeah, I mean, I've always thought that he was a good ring performer. I don't think he's ever been better than he was at SummerSlam. I mean, he really was, you know, superb. I mean, he, he that was an elite performance, really, as far as, you know, from start to finish in the match. And minus a little, uh, the springboard stunner botch there. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, no, they, had, a, they had an excellent match. Even that, sometimes the way they do botches now, they actually try to, like, go through with them as if it's a mistake in a match, which almost works for me. Whereas in the end, I feel like back in the day when they botched, it almost was like, they just gave up, which made it look worse, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can remember instances. Yeah, it's like the Jericho famously botched a couple of times, but it's like go through with it because you're 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 it's a real competition. You slip on the court, you know. So, uh, but yeah, I like that, and I thought oh, Cena does really good. I know I'll give you a chance to gush about Cena, but especially with this U.S. Open Challenge, and this is kind of the end of that. He's just during this little run. It's just been amazing the kind of matches he's been a part of. And this is a guy people have said for years, you know, can't wrestle, can't have the great match. And, I mean, I think he's been proving people wrong for a lot longer. But this really is one of the best, I think, stretches of his career in the ring. I mean, Cena has just been lighting it up. And he's been lighting it up with everybody. Yeah. And and different styles, sizes, and just. I mean, it's just amazing, really. And he, I don't think he'll ever get the credit for it. as a worker. He's come a long way in the last uh, maybe five, six, seven years. You know, there was a time period where it really was five months, but we're way, way past that. He is the personification or the epitome of the WWE main event style matches. He has a template for what he's going to do, and if you really map it out, it's predictable. But when you're watching in the moment, you don't really think about that. But he... Yeah, he's... Uh, I think we're cutting out a little bit, actually. Oh, okay, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. Go ahead. I was going to say, you know, I, I think he really does have the best WWE-style match. And I've thought that for a while, and I'm still waiting kind of for everybody collectively to kind of, you know, give him his due. But as far as building suspense and and kind of having that, you know, back and forth kind of momentum swing and then having the big finish. I think he's as good as, as anybody in the history of, of, you know, the Vince McMahon Jr. era's WWF main events. I mean, WWE, I, I just think he's one of the best suspense performers they've ever had. Yeah, he doesn't tell, like Shawn Michaels told a personal story in the ring. Uh, in some of his matches. But I feel like John Cena tells a... It's more like a narrative. He's, like you said, there's suspense. It's like a movie, kind of. You know, there you have your, your rising action, you have your dynamic, you have your climax. He does that in a way where it, you don't... You know, it's kind of it's unpredictable in a lot of ways, where you don't know either way. It could go either way. He, I mean, he's just really good at it, and he doesn't get the credit that he deserves. And, that, and I'm not a Cena guy, but you got to respect what he brings to the table. Absolutely. And we had the next night, obviously they banned, I don't even want to talk about that stupid statue thing. That's so ridiculous. But what we got out of the stupid statue thing was Sting. Man, I I don't even think it's appropriate. (laughs) I said I don't even think it's appropriate how hard I was marking out last night. Yeah, it was pretty pitiful. I was in my other, I was in the other room because I have the uh, the direct TV in one room, and in my bedroom I don't have the direct TV. So I was listening to it, and halfway about the show was off, and I'm like, this is crap. But I'll keep listening to it because I don't know. Oh, I keep listening to it because we're doing a damn podcast. And uh, so I went, I heard they were like, "Sting!" I'm like, "What?" And so I got up out of my bed, walked into the other room, and I was just as tight. I mean, just. Wow, I, we no. I mean, we kept him in the sting rumors, and it didn't happen in SummerSlam. Forget all about it. The next thing you know, and that's what they do. It's like they keep bringing back and that. But then when I think about it, and you can't go wrong when you bring back Sting. You can't go wrong when you bring back the Dudley Boys. But 
and especially with Sting having done a lot of this stuff with WWE. But at the same time, it's like when I saw him in there with Triple H, I I did think I'm like, Triple H just beat him. You you pushed Sting down, and now you want to have him go for the title? I, I just don't even understand the booking. So I'm gonna be an ass about it, I guess. <laughs> and I love seeing Sting, but I did think that. Uh, and I'm sure they'll have some way to, I mean, you can call it backtracking or you can call it, you know, backpedaling. I mean, but they'll have some reason next week why he's still going to be involved in the authorities, you know, reign of dominance here. And, you know, he'll, he'll have a, a motivation for sure. But just the fact that he's going to be challenging for that championship, I, I don't think I could be any more excited than I am for him to potentially add himself to the list of WWE champions. I think that's, that's where the story. cynic in me comes up. I think they're going to screw us over like they did at WrestleMania. I don't think oh. there's any way they let him win that. Uh, and that's the sad thing. And I'm going to watch, and I'm going to be hopeful. I'm going to be like the the the, the naive seven-year-old that first started watching this, rooting for the face. But I think Vince is going to screw us so bad. Uh, I, I can't even. I don't think I'll be able to take it. Yeah, I, I'll definitely. It's going to be about... I mean, I kind of fade out after SummerSlam. I go from January to Mania. I give it a little break. Then when SummerSlam comes, I'll you know coming up about a month for it, I'll check it out, and then I take a break. Usually, almost till it depends on how good Survivor Series, but it hasn't been like that. I'll I'll usually phase out of WWE until Royal Rumble, Road to WrestleMania kind of thing. But I might fade out a little earlier. <laughs> it's Sting. <laughs> If, if if Sting loses, no, I'm not dealing with that. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll be ready to go. I'll be ready to you know just crawl into a hole if Sting loses. I, I I can't take the. I mean, it'll be like Game Six with LeBron for me if, if Sting <laughs> doesn't win this thing. Honestly, because I mean they did give Ric Flair his props, but I still would have wished he would have won the title again. But he was like 55, but <laughs> so it was understandable, and he stayed too long, but. It's due to, if they do this to Sting, I just can't even. I, I, I can't. <laughs> it would be neat to see him go for it. It was neat to see him have the title. You know, I didn't expect them to give him a title shot, like, randomly out of anything, you know, out of nowhere. So I'm not even going to say I always see the number one contender when he's only fought one match in WWE and lost. Because he's Sting. So I'll let him have that. But <laughs> I'll let that he's the biggest draw right now, though. I mean, it's September now, so SummerSlam's over. Yes. WrestleMania is far away. I mean, this this is the down period. I mean, yeah, this, this is the down true. period. And anything about besides to see Cena fight in a rematch, like I don't think anybody really wanted to see Cena and Rollins again. As good as it is, as, as good as it was, it the story is weak. And and the thing I was thinking. As I watched the whole show, and we can talk about the show generally for a second. When I watched the whole show, is I was not emotionally invested. They're doing all these moves and doing all these things, but they're not really telling stories. And the stories leading up to it are weak, if there's a story at all. And then physically, these people are in great shape and they go through all their moves, but they're they're I'm not invested emotionally. I feel that way. You know, I felt that way for a long time, you know. I think 15, 20 years ago, things were a little bit more psychology-based. You didn't have as good of workers. I mean, Sting's probably not as good of a worker as, as a lot of the guys now. But, you know, guys, when they would get in the sleeper hold, would make the big comeback, or they would, you know, there was a lot more psychological-based things that kind of grabbed your attention and then carried it through a wrestling match, whether that was emotionally, it's like, I mean, whatever. I just feel like it's not as psychological, emotional anymore in ring product. Yeah. No, no, it's not. It's just like an athletic exhibition. But even simple things. Like, I remember when Ric Flair and Bobby Heenan, gosh, he was so good at it, too. And, I, and JBL is better at selling the trappings of a match than he is at selling what's actually happening in the match. Like, for instance... Right. He did something really that was good that I noticed about. But he'll, but he, he sells the narrative of the match in general, but he doesn't sell the strategy. Like Bobby Heenan, when Rick Flair would go out of the ring or something, Bobby Heenan said, get yourself together, champ. He's going outside the ring to take a break like you were doing basketball. He's just taking a time out, getting himself together, getting a strategy, and he's going to go back in there. They don't do stuff like that. Like stuff like that, 
where you say, okay, this there's a strategy involved in what this guy is doing. You know, it's not, yeah. or even when, like, the guy goes out the ring, somebody follows him, he goes back in, the, the good guy follows him, and, he, and the good and bad guy gets the advantage. Like, there's so many psychological small things, but they don't do that now. I just find that so much easier to follow. Like, like I felt like back then they were grabbing my attention, and then they were making me follow them until the end of the match. And I just cannot get into just a random succession of wrestling moves or high spots. It just that stuff just desensitizes me, overstimulates me, and then I'm just done. Yeah, and I and I found myself looking at it, kind of looking at the game, kind of you know making sure I knew what was going on. But it's just like you can't. I, I just can't connect with it. I really can't. But what's amazing is, though, I feel like the crowd is always really into it. Even the early stuff. I, I don't remember crowd into the early stuff since, like, the Attitude Era, like they are now. The NWO Attitude Era, where they're into, like, they're into, um, shoot, primetime players and New Day. Like, I, I don't even know how. But those guys are yeah. over, at least in, in crowd interaction. Yeah, especially a lot of the guys under 30 right now are just really over for whatever reason. Their gimmicks, their everything seems to be seems to be hot right now in that sense. I mean, the new day sucks. I mean, that that's huge right now. Yeah, really. You know, it's just fun, and I missed how they actually evolved because it was horrible when it first started. But now they've just kind of embraced it. But it. I, I just don't even <laughs> I don't even understand why the crowd's so into it. But and maybe it's the young kids or everything, or it's just the it's like the WWE Chelsea experience now. It's like you get to see New Day when you come, you get to see Ryback when you come, you get to see all these people. Even though I think half of them are crap and they don't, I wouldn't give them the time of day. It seems like the average fan is really into like the card top to bottom. It, it, it baffles me, but when I watch, it, it plays the same way for me. I mean, I feel like that too. I, everybody's, like I said, everybody's shtick seems to be, seems to be over. Yeah, I, I'm just lost. Well, I guess not the. I don't even know what the hell they're called. But the damn Mexicans with the. I know that was racist, but hey, it's WWE. That's pretty much what they're portraying. The Mexicans with the the bull, <laughs> with the with the dwarf bull, whatever the hell their name is. Yeah. I don't think they're not over. I don't think. <laughs> They yeah, never, much, they never do. Everybody else is. I guess probably the the door. I mean, midgets doors are always over to some degree in wrestling, so <laughs> it doesn't take much. But uh, yeah, I just don't even. Oh, well, okay. What about that tag team match? The tag team match at the beginning. Uh, what it, I thought it was a very good match. I was surprised by how much I actually did enjoy that match. I think uh, it was a good match because I think it was a little bit more psychological. New Day has a lot of heat. You know, they're working the crowd a lot. I mean, they're really trying to get yeah, on the do. third they do work the crowd. crowd. Yeah. It really and helps to have that I third like. guy. Go ahead. I said, that's the stuff I really like. I mean, they're playing to the crowd. They're trying to get on the crowd's nerves. They have, you know, their specific little taunts, and they have their little their little things that they get in throughout the match. I, I really enjoy them right now, actually. I can't believe I'm about to say this. And... And, you know, I'm going to say what they say in the draft. I'm comparing the style. I am not comparing the performers. But the three-person thing works really well when it's done, and it sort of reminds me of the Fabulous Freebirds. Now, I'm comparing the style (laughs) that the third person was not wrestling it's still an active participant outside the ring. He's getting the crowd involved. He's annoying people. And it's not just interference. He is just being a nuisance outside the ring. And at the same time, you know he's a threat. I think that third piece, whoever they have when it's a combination, it just, it adds a lot to their gimmick. Yeah, I, you, I think you have to bring up the Freebirds. That's, I think that's what a lot of people would call back to because, I mean, they're kind of, I mean, maybe the most relevant you know, three-man team, maybe in wrestling. I mean, you know, obviously there's the Von Erics, but I think everybody's going to get compared. People are going to look back at any three-man faction or team and look at the, you know, the Freebirds. And it, 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 that dynamic is really great. It really, it really is. And I, it's been tried many guy. times, and it doesn't work most of the time, but something about the three of them, it does work. They seem to be really in sync right now. I'll give those guys that. Biggie, 
Kofi, Xavier Woods, they seem to really be gelling as a unit. And maybe that's sometimes why the three-man teams don't work. The guys don't really come together and gel naturally yeah. as far as chemistry. These guys have chemistry, and they are working and running on all standards yeah. together. And I, I'm happy for all three of them, actually, because you don't see a lot of African-Americans do that well. And I think Kofi's been criminally underutilized. Xavier's talented. Big E's just big and I mean, he's like, he could be, he's been in right back spot before and it's kind of interchangeable, but I like to see what they're doing with him. Uh, I did, and then like you were saying too, the psychology, I love the celebration at the end. They're just so over the top and ridiculous. And it's like they're heels, but deep down, everybody just kind of enjoys it, which is kind of neat, kind of different. That was kind of what the Rougeos had going on in the 80s. People yeah, loved yeah, to hate those true. guys. They were annoying. They were annoying, but you loved that they were annoying. Yeah, they're like your kid brother or something. They, they've got this yeah. kid brother feel to it. It's like, like the things your kid brother does to you are real, but he's not like trying to kill you. He's trying to annoy you. And if he annoys you, part of it's fun, but he does win too. So it's kind of annoying. Yeah, that, that stuff's really working right now. It really is. So that, that um, and then let's let's uh, parry off of that to Monday night. We had the Dudley Boys return. Oh man, I was that was another instance where I was really excited. Always been a fan of these guys. These guys keep themselves in tremendous shape. They both look incredible. Um, both wrestle nonstop. I mean, they've never really taken a prolonged break. So you know they can go. They're quick. Timing's still there. I mean, these guys just have a lot of gas left in the tank. Yeah, they really do. It, it, it was just neat. I didn't hear about it ahead of time. It was a total surprise. They gave them more time. Like, in, in my head, I was like, well, how much time are they going to give them? How much time are they going to give them? And then I was like, are they going to let them? I, I knew they had to do the tables, but they were doing so much. There was so much other offense that – I was like, are they going to let them pull the tables out? And then it's PG, and you don't see that as much. And I was just happy with the whole thing. I didn't, I didn't even have a complaint about logic or anything like that. It just, <laughs> it was just great to see them. Should, I mean, uh, they should I get back five years better. better. You know, that's the only thing I will say. I, I will say I wish it could have been booked a little better. I mean, they came out very, very, very randomly. It would have been nice if, like, maybe – New Day had finished up with the primetime players, won the belts, and, you know, were antagonizing. And then the Dudleys came back in a moment where you really wanted to see these guys get it. That was the only thing yeah. that just felt a little too random, I guess. Yeah, kind of like uh, when The Rock, I think he beat Stone Cold and at WrestleMania, and he's like, you know, nobody could beat me, blah, 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 blah. And then Goldberg's music plays. Yeah. Like, yeah, it would yeah. if they had played a little bit better, but, and that's what they do. They just kind of, they kind of slop it out there. And they know they've got diamonds, so it's like if you wrap a diamond in crap, you're still a diamond once you wash it off. You know, <laughs> that's the best analogy. And, and that offends me because I, I feel that way when I watch their booking sometimes. I feel like they're just saying, well, eh, this works anyway, so we don't have to necessarily dress it up for yeah. you. Let's just... Or it's like, that, you that know, me as a viewer. Yeah, like you get a meal and it's like you're, you have a bad waiter. Yeah, I think that's a good analogy. The meal is good, but your waiter is bad, and you have to wait too long, and they drop it, or, you know, they spill something on you. But then you eat the steak, and it's good. But they yeah. deliver this. Oh, everything they do, I, I don't understand. I don't know if, if the booking is different or something is different. And I, I, can't I associate my... that booking more with Nitro. Yeah, I was going to say that before. I was thinking when I was talking to what we were going to talk about, it really is like when WCW was on top and they just kept switching people to the NWO. Somebody would take the shirt off. It's like, oh, yeah, Conan's the NWO. Scott's the NWO. Oh, the Giant. Big Show's in the NWO. Just quick, sporadic gratification. (laughs) And it just made no sense. But in the moment, it's like, oh, my God, you know. Now the NWO has 20 people. Scott Norton is in the NWO. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> Why are so many people in the NWO? This is not surprising. It's like, what? What's, that? What's happening? I think everybody on, on the on the roster, except for Jericho, Rey Mysterio, and Sting, joined the NWO at some point, it felt like. So it's like, God. And even the LWO, 
I mean, I'm considering that an offshoot with Joshua and Eddie. I, I guess like, at least yeah. they tried to keep it exciting. They tried to keep a pulse running through the show, but it was all yeah. too too much instant gratification rather than slowing it down and booking logically. Yeah, yeah that's exactly what they did, the instant gratification. I remember that word being thrown around a lot back then. And uh, I'm trying to think of the other matches that we had. I really enjoy uh, Kevin Owens. And, and Cesaro is finally getting, I feel like, the attention he deserves, which is weird because it took Tyson Kidd's injury for them to, like, actually give Cesaro kind of just the respect I feel like he deserves on the card. And I didn't have a problem with Kevin Owens beating him, but I really like what they're doing with Cesaro right now. You know, it's, it's good to see him um, doing something relevant. He's talented. Another guy who I think, I think he looks like a WWE guy. I mean, he's, He's a tall guy. He's got a good physique and uh, obviously a fantastic wrestler. He, he should be doing something at the end of the day, but I got to root against him right now because he is in there with Kevin Owens, who I, I, I've become just a huge fan of. There is something just, there's something, this is a word you use a lot, but there's just something legitimate about him. And I, I, I can't even put my finger on it. It's like you look at him and you're like, that's a badass. That's a tough guy. And he really doesn't give a F, you know? He just seems like he really likes to beat on people. Like, he's just that yeah. guy at the bar who just wants you to pick a fight with him. And, and his physique, and this is the thing, too, which is different. And I don't know if this is Triple H, but I, I know damn sure it's not Vince, whoever's influenced. But he doesn't have the look of a WWE wrestler. He just has a look, like you said, of a guy at the bar that if you mouthed off to him, he would sock you in the mouth and then say, let's go. You know, And it works. And then his moveset is perfect for his body type. And, and there's just so many things about him that work. He throws a couple things out, though, that you would never expect looking at his body type. You know, the cannonball stuff that he throws. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. You definitely out. would expect it. But it even makes sense that when he can, the fact that he can do it, you know, and the way he uses his body, and he is more athletic than you would think. But, but yeah, it's just it just works. And I feel like 10 years ago, they would have not, haven't well, they they literally did not because he was wrestling back then. <laughs> they didn't sign him, but um, they would not have embraced the Kevin Owens ten years ago. So that is progress, and I think NXT has a big, uh, a lot of it has to do with NXT and them actually developing talent and giving talent a chance to shine. Yeah, you really can't underestimate the impact they're having right now. You know, uh, as an individual entity, and you know what they're you know. I think what they're causing in WWE right now, they're causing a little bit of, uh, I don't want to throw the word revolution around, let's turn around it up. Yeah, but please don't. Like, um, yeah, a little bit, yeah. Or uh, skirmish, rebellion. How about a rebellion? <laughs> a little smaller scale. Yeah, you have to, and this is the thing with the old days of the territories, you have to have people going somewhere else to learn their craft. You can't all learn your craft in the same place. And even though NXT is influenced by WWE, it's still something different. And these people have to get in front of a camera, get on a mic, in front of a crowd, and make connections. And the more freedom they're given to do trial and error with that, the better off the product is. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I These guys are honing their skills, and then they're coming up to the main roster looking a hell of a lot more polished than I think we're used to. Yeah, and I think a lot of the great thing about NXT is they kind of, when they bring an NXT person or gal, they put them on equal footing with WWE guys, which that surprises me a lot. They don't start them at the bottom. They they put them right there. This is just such a different world because 10 years ago, the, you know, the, that Ring of Honor CM Punk mold, Daniel Bryan, uh, I mean, that was considered, I mean, the WWE was so anti that. I mean, they made fun of it. And CM Punk was, you know, jobbing on Sunday Night Heat. And apparently Triple H is telling people this guy doesn't have the look and he doesn't have the style. And I mean, this what we're seeing now is just so out of the realm of possibility of happening in the WWE 10 years ago. Yeah, you wouldn't. You just would not have. Um, what have you thought, you can speak generally about it, but you can speak of the two think there were two. I kind of zoned out, honestly. Sorry, girls. But what have you thought about the, uh, the, the what did you think about the female matches? I think there were two. Were there two? There was a six-man. Yeah, I feel like there was something else. <laughs> Four-hour show. No. 
Well, did you think there was two because they were the same match? The SummerSlam match and last night's match were exactly the same. Oh, yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is, yeah. Yeah, which is ridiculous on it. Ridiculous. And, and yeah, that, that bothered me, and then, I don't know, they're not as good. And evidently, there was this awesome match. I can't even remember their names, but with the, the Irish one or whatever the hell she is on uh, the NXT TakeOver, there was also evidently this awesome match between Bailey. Yeah, Bailey and Sasha yeah. had a pretty good one. Yeah, I, I, so I didn't do that. But, I mean, I, I enjoy women's wrestling, but they got to be able to do it. they got to be able to tell the story, and and the athleticism sort of has to be there. But it's not even that. I don't think I don't think Trish is more athletic than these girls, but she knew how to work in a way that had an impact and connect with the crowd. And Lita just had to share athleticism and, and the, just the daringness to take those risks. But these girls, they, they can do things, but they don't connect with me at all. Especially the NXT girls. Yeah, I think one of the problems right now is you have the WWE girls and then you have the NXT girls. And I think their styles just aren't matching because the NXT girls are, you know, all out. I mean, they could they, yeah. they just go, you know, ball to the wall for lack of a better term. I mean, just, I mean, they're, they're work rate. <laughs> Definitely lack of a better term. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely lack of a better But no, I mean, they, their work rate is so high. They're, you know, throwing out everything but the kitchen sink. And the WWE Divas, they're not on the same wrestling level, not not even close. And I think that's really affecting the, you know, the cross-pollination that's going on between them right now. Yeah, and and, and then when you put six-man tags in it, it really is the contrast because your whole team of Ring of Honor style, for lack of a better word, yeah. and then yeah. WWE Diva style. Not even WWE, but WWE Diva style. But honestly, yeah. I enjoy uh, Nikki's work more than I enjoy the rest of them because she has the spots, she has the signature moves, and I, I enjoy Nikki's style better than I enjoy. Maybe I have more of a connection to Nikki just because she's been around and, you know, she gets to talk individually at times. <laughs> you know, and she actually has a personality where those other she girls don't. She has the most don't. charisma. She has the yeah, most that's charisma. Also true. She has the it's best just, look. I, I think she has the most developed character. So it, it's no surprise that I think people would care about her the most. Yes, and she has nice ass. And, and so all those things help. So <laughs> we just yeah. thought that. Sorry, I had to take it there. But, yeah, I mean, she does. She has. She does have more charisma in general than her sister. And and just in general, of all the like of all the divas, she is like the star, and and she's the champ. She's been champ for a long time, and I wish they built that up more. Maybe those girls could fight Nikki, and you end up leading it to her fighting Becky Lynch or her fighting Charlotte eventually. Maybe she goes through Paige again, and she goes through the the, the Becky girl. You know, I, I don't know. I don't like the whole fan thing. I don't like the whole sixteen thing. It, it's not working. The crowd is just eating it up and spitting it out. It, it's not working. They have got to get the singles matches, and they have to find a hot angle for these girls. Yeah, to the work. angle would work well too. And they've tried that. Oh, you're a girly girl, and I'm a you know tough new generation girl thing. But it, it doesn't. It just seems like girls trading against. It seems like cheerleaders and jock girls just trading insults on a playground. Well, they wouldn't be on a playground, but you know what I mean, at the cafeteria or something. It just yeah, doesn't. it feels that juvenile. It, it really does feel that simple and juvenile. They need something hotter, something a little bit more intense. I mean, something that's good enough for 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 men to have a point of contention over. Yes, and and not over, and not over a man. God knows, don't <laughs> don't don't be insulting in that way. But yeah, there's just there's something lacking. But I think it definitely has that potential. I want to be into Charlotte. Hell, that's enough right there to be. You know, maybe you do something to Ric Flair. Maybe. I don't know, maybe one of them seduces Ric Flair and then, like, you know, there's a honeypot on him and hurts him, brings him in. I don't know. But something's got to make people care. Yeah. You know, I don't care if they got to <laughs> tie the Nate up. Can you see Nate tie handcuffed to a bed? They're just turning into Russell crap now. <laughs> yes. Hey, they struggle for ideals, man. Whatever works. I tell you what, you be if you saw Ric Flair in his underwear in the bed, handcuffed to the the bedpost, you'd be more interested in the next match than Becky and Charlotte and, and Bree or Nikki fight. It might not no. be great, but it is wrestling. You know, as much as we love wrestling, at it, I mean, well, okay, at its best, it, it's pretty awesome. But it's generally, what makes it work 
a very simplistic concept and and angles <laughs> to make it work. Not enough of those sometimes. Yeah, 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 yeah. They they try not to, but you know, okay. some of the, the simplest things sometimes work. Um, then, uh, do we? What other matches were there? Oh, this is the one I really want to touch on before we go. I don't think we left out anything. Cause I don't care about Randy Orton, Sheamus. But if you want to, we're done. Address we can. But the whole thing with the Wyatts and the leftovers of the Shield. First of all, they broke up the Shield, and basically now they're back together, which is kind of a waste in a way. But and if, and if getting Rollins out of all of breaking the Shield up is just not what I would have anticipated. But it's just so hokey, and it just this whole feud just seems like it's treading water, and it's a waste of time. It's a waste of rain. It's a waste of Reigns. It's a waste of Ambrose. It's a waste of Bray, especially who's one of my favorites. It's not a waste of Luke Harper and that giant dude because they suck. But <laughs> it's just it's it's just annoying to me. It's filler stuff. They feel like I guess this is the best thing that they can do with them. I mean, it's not. I mean, there, there obviously are more creative angles to be run with all of these guys, and all of them are talented. But I mean, I'm sure they think that this is the best place to put them right now, which is, I mean, kind of the back burner. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's like they get the mid card, so it's almost like okay, we're not disrespecting you. We're putting you on the mid card. We're giving you a slot of ten to fifteen minutes. You know, maybe five to ten on Raw. Well, more than five, but probably like ten minutes, ten to fifteen minutes. Basically, ten to fifteen minutes on every card they get for that angle, and maybe a little bit longer because that that big dude was so slow and doing his moves. And it's just, uh, oh, I mean, he's huge and he's big, and that's great. But it's just like you didn't see anything special. He's just big, huge, and strong. And I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't know. I've, I've just been so disturbed by what they're doing with Bray Wyatt, and it could be such a transformative character, but they won't let him do it. They just won't. Yeah, he, he's stuck right now. He's 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 the, a hamster on the wheel right now. He's going nowhere, but it's yeah, kind of been another cog in the machine. And he stays over no matter what. Like, he's still over, but you just can't not let it. You have to elevate a character like that. Like, when the if The Undertaker had started... And you take the Undertaker, and you just let him tread water and lose to people, and not uh, keep his power. Then it's, the gimmick has no life. If Undertaker's getting beat, <laughs> you know, you have to you have to give Bray the rocket ship, or either you have to put him off in a separate corner, and he, if you don't want him to have the belt, but you put him off in this corner where he's just kicking everybody's ass, and he's got this weird thing going on, and nobody can really solve it. He's in everybody's head. You know, I just don't, I don't get it. You know, the pushes were a lot harder back then, and there wasn't as many stop-start pushes and stalls. Yeah. I mean, if you were pushed, you were pushed to the moon sometimes, and then maybe you failed and you fell down the card, but you didn't see so much stop, go, stop, go, stop, yeah. go. It reminds me so much of The Undertaker, how it's just so different from what we've seen, and at least there's, there's more psychology to this. The Undertaker, some of it just was because of the physicality. Like, you've never seen a big man do that. So it, like, worked with the dead man angle and the way he looked. And, and he just was so agile for his size. Like, that kind of, his, his physicality carried that gimmick. Whereas Bray Wyatt, his mic skills carried that gimmick. But they don't, it's just very frustrating to do that. Because there was a time where he was on fire. And they just, they pulled it back. So I, I just don't even... No, did we miss anything? Uh, I mean, I don't anything think we missed important? anything. Not, not a, probably importance. No, no, I don't think we. And just the four-hour show was just a bad idea. It really too was. Much. I mean, I, too I much. felt fatigued. Well, you know, that's that's the last thing that I'll, you know, I guess kind of rant on it. Wrestling is overexposed, oversaturated. I mean, Raw being three hours is just way too much. It's exhausting. By the time it's over, I'm ready for it to be over. And I don't like feeling like that because I do look forward to the shows from time to time. I want to be, like, you know, excited. I want, you know, I want to be like, well, I wish it was Monday. You know, yeah. I wish it was next Monday. I, I, but it's over now. I'm like, oh, God, good. Oof. All right. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've gotten more cynical over the years. 
but I was 16 years old, and I couldn't wait to get home to see Raw to see Jerry Lawler fight Duke the Dumpster Drozzy. Now, (laughs) on, on Raw, I could not wait to get home. Like, I ran off the bus. And it didn't even start for another, I might have been 14. <laughs> but I ran off the bus almost because I just wanted to get there and see it because Jerry had been talking all that trash that day. <laughs> and now, but it was just like, it it wasn't on for three hours. It was one hour. And, and in that case, you barely got anything other than the choppers fighting. And then Jerry Lawler, who was my favorite wrestler for a while, uh, <laughs> fought at the end against Duke. You know, it just, that was the only main event that you got outside of pay-per-view. And that was, we, like, we, we exciting. We were chomping at the bit for everything. Like, we were chomping yeah. at the bit yeah, exactly. for everything. You know? And there was one night where they had Raw. This is years even before that, believe it or not. Years before that. Shawn Michaels fought Razor Ramon randomly, no build-up, after the ladder match, just randomly, on Raw one night. And it was a great match. And it was so like, awesome I could that. not to get home to see that and they did that as filler but it, you know those guys they could just work but like but now and it, it just the three hours they just, they just it's kind of like the NFL in a way is where the money it's like they can sell more advertising time so let's go three hours let's do four hours you know it's just and I guess you know the WWE is in pretty good shape so I guess it works but product suffers well, the product, it really, really So I mean, I like just getting, you know, just a scraps thrown at me until the pay-per-view, you know. I always, I, I like, you know, not being satiated or not being, you know, I, I like being like, you know, just chomping at the bit, you know. You said a Jerry Lawl or Duke the Dumpster Drossy main event was, you know, for TV at the time, that was a big deal, I guess, you know. I mean, because <laughs> it's not like you got that much better on like free, free cable yeah. television at the time. Definitely Lawler was a draw, not not Duke, but <laughs> Duke <laughs> got mentioned and Scott Norton got mentioned today. So Duke the Dumpster <laughs> Drossy and Scott Norton have been name dropped yes. in this one. I pulled out the catalog. I haven't thought about those two men in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jay, thank you for doing this. This was fun. All right, it was a good one. Till next time. All right.